Hey, it's Joey Mills with the Pup Goes the Culture podcast. Today is the second part of our look at the 35th anniversary of The Karate Kid. If you didn't already, be sure to pick up the brand new version, the 35th anniversary version of The Karate Kid on 4K Ultra HD on home video. This is the best looking version of this film that you will ever see. Be sure to pick that up. And today we are joined by... None other than Sensei John Kreese himself, Mr. Martin Cove, kind enough to take time on his weekend to talk with us about the legacy of the Karate Kid, talk a little bit about Cobra Kai Season 2, which is on YouTube on Wednesday, April the 24th. So enjoy the conversation with Mr. Martin Cove. All right, I am joined on the line today by a film and television star who is perhaps best known for his role as John Kreese in The Karate Kid, its direct sequels, and in Cobra Kai, Mr. Martin Cove. I know you're busy shooting during the week, so I can't tell you how much I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me this weekend. How are you, sir? I'm fine, fine, Joe. How are you? Doing well, thank you. It's hard to believe that it's been 35 years since The Karate Kid premiered in theaters, and to celebrate, Sony Pictures Home Entertainment is releasing a special 4K Ultra HD home video version of the film on Tuesday, April the 16th. You've had a and continue to have a long and storied career. What is it about The Karate Kid that has given it the legs not only to remain in the pop culture discussion, but to sustain this recent upsurge in fandom these 35 years later? Well, I believe that um, it's in the writing, you know. It's in the it's in the fact that so many people identified with initially in 1984 the 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 film itself. One of three elements: they were either a fish out of water situation for them, their parents moved around, the military, whatever, or they were bullied, or they had a wonderful romance in high school that didn't work out. <laughs> One of those three elements has always been present and why everybody truly identified with this movie. And you, go ahead. I, I, I think that the audience now is different because the TV series is pretty much aimed to a lot of people that maybe did not see the movie, especially the kids. Right. Now they'll watch the movie. Now they'll put the DVDs on. Now they'll watch it on cable, you know, and, uh, or they'll watch it with their parents. But there's a lot of that audience that has not seen the movie. And now they're reintroduced to these characters. They'll go back and see the movie like they will. This, this Sony 35-year you know, version of, on 4K is brilliant. I mean, I just saw some of it on my phone. It's really good. And uh, the, you know, the, everybody will come back. And everybody comes back as if they're in Star Wars. You know, with an endless family of icons, villains, people you love, people you hate. And that's why I think it's, you know, it's written so well that it allows itself the permission to re-enter the lives of people 35 years later. Certainly the writing is is great, but let's talk a little bit about some of those performances because your character, John Kreese, casts a long shadow over the franchise, even some 30 years later. Part of that, I feel, is the charisma with which you've portrayed Kreese over the years, each time that you have an opportunity to do so. I think that's part of his appeal, and he, obviously he's, like, with the writing, as you said, he's certainly one of the most quotable characters in the franchise. Why do you feel that we as an audience continue to be drawn to this character who is clearly not a decent human being in any aspect? Well, number one, I think he's pure. You know, I, I, you know, at the beginning when we look at John Kreese, 
you only see the darkness. You, you don't go back into his story in Vietnam. What created John Creek? Why was No Mercy so very popular for him, maintaining that integrity in the Cobra Kai? You know, why was it, why was it professed that, you know, in Miyagi-Do, you, you score a point and your opponent, he goes down, he goes down. And, you know, in Cobra Kai, you score a point with your opponent, you make sure he stays down, you right. know? And that's the difference. And, you know, there's a whole backstory that will come out in the eventual episodes of why, you know, John Cleese is the way he is. My backstory was always the fact that he was never allowed to win in in uh, in Vietnam, the way he was a great champion in you know junior high, college, in the arm in in the army, as well as in you know at university, he was a great karate champion. And then we went to he went there in, in in essence, as our soldiers were, he was not allowed to be triumphant there. And he swore when he came back that his students would never lose, just never lose. And he, he adopted, you know, like, uh, I, I even know how he came up with the Cobra Kai, but I can't really talk about it. The <laughs> thing is, is that he vowed that he would never allow his students to lose under any circumstances because losing had such a deep, strong reaction for him when he returned to Vietnam as it did so many of our other uh our other servicemen. So, you know, I think I think that he, he's not really evil, and you'll learn a lot more about him in this season, and there's a lot more texture to him in this season, and the writers are brilliant. They've written him a very colorful character, because, to be perfectly honest, I wasn't interested in playing a bad guy. Right. I, I, I didn't, didn't need to do this show to play John Creese over and over and over again. You know, he needs to have, like any human being, a reason why why Hannibal Lecter is the way he is, why Darth Vader is the way he is, you know, why anybody, Killer the Hun, it doesn't matter. Why any dark character that we call them dark, why any villain, they also have a wonderful backstory. God knows there's so many bad guys in movies that turn good at the end and they always die. The right. bad guys who turn good in movies, they always die, you know. That's not what happened to me. It's not happening. But you got to tune in anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the great things about Cobra Kai is that it does allow us more time and more room to breathe and to explore new dimensions of these characters that we have lived with for 35 years now. But we, you know, the screen time that you get when you're doing a serial episodic television as opposed to just films and sequels. Um, it, it's. I'm sure it's different for you portraying the character as well. Did you find new depths and nuance and layers of the character while filming season two? And if so, how does your experience with this series and the way that it's handled the property change the way that you view and portray the character? Well, when I met with the writers a year and a half ago, and they said you're going to come in season one, episode 10, set up season two, um, I said, well, why can't I come in Episode six. Why do I come in episode ten? And they said because we really want you to set up season season two with your entrance. So you know, you saw my entrance where right. I say the real story is you know, the real story is only just begun. And it's really it's you know, when you do the show which airs I believe April twenty fourth, you'll see, you know, it's just um 
if you loved how the show ended, you know, episode 10, season 1, you will love how it begins in uh, season 2, episode 1. So it's really it's fascinating how the character ha- has been written with lots of texture, has does go up and down emotionally. And it's quite interesting. I can't really say too much about it because I don't want to spoil it for anyone. Right. But the character, the character himself really is written differently in the series. And he still remains the stoic, we can use the word beast, but he isn't really a beast. He's just an intense man who has his ownership of Cobra Kai and what Cobra Kai must maintain itself to be, you know. And he created Cobra Kai, and Cobra Kai must maintain that integrity of its original initial creation. And all I can say is uh, you see him adapting to that all the way through the show, all the way through, you know, all 10 episodes. And, and it's handled very well because, believe me, Ralph, Billy, and I signed on because these three writers knew our characters better than we did. Right. They knew more about us than we knew about. They had done homework. I came with them. I had interviewed Army Rangers, which is where John Kreese came from. Yeah, I had spent time with Rangers, got so much information, put together backstories. Then when I met with them in regard to, to um, I think it was, we had lunch to talk about season two, not about season one, talk about season two, it's after the show aired. And they already were ahead of me. They already had their creation of what John Kreese did in Vietnam and why Cobra Kai was what it is. I mean, <laughs> they were ahead of me, you know? And I was the one who created the character. Right. You know? Well, I know so you've... It's, uh, it's, been a, it's been a real, you know, pleasing experience. and It's, it's terrific to write with people work like Robert Mount came and work with great writers because we'd never have all this if it wasn't for, you know, Robert. And that's a a fine line, I imagine, to walk because there are so many ways this could have easily fallen into parody or melodrama or whatever. But to remain true to the vision of the original films, uh, to me, that is probably the biggest achievement that Cobra Kai has has achieved is that it's it feels funny. It feels like a morality play. It continues to feel like what we would expect from this property 35 years later, just taken up a little bit. The, the humor is taken up a little bit. The conflict is more meaningful because these aren't kids anymore. These are middle-aged men. So I, I, I think that, like you're saying, the writing is, is so key to all of that actually happening and happening well. Yeah, you couldn't do this. If you try to make you know, another, another you know, sequel, you know, and your series was like another sequel and, you know, with a lot of those elements, like the movies, it wouldn't work. Yeah. I, I mean, all of the, all these additional characters and wives and girlfriends and, you know, students. I mean, everybody is great. There's no, there's no white hats, black hats in the show. And I think that's what, and, and, and unfortunately, cause maybe it's fortunate, I'm not sure. I grew up on, you know, loving the Westerns and all. They were most of the time white hats and black hats. Now in television, and everything is darker and more sophisticated because kids are more sophisticated. Kids have grander tastes so that the 
the logistics of, I guess, you know, where you want your audience to be, you've got to entertain them in a very gray manner where there aren't any you know, heroes and villains. There are people in between. And then they invite those people into your living room and you become friends with them. You become friends with the only difference between TV and the movies is that the movies have a big mystique on the big screen. Right. You know, you're not going to, you won't invite Jack Nicholson, Peter O'Toole, Sean Connery to pop into your living room. Right. You know, but they speak about them. But yet, you know, you, you, you invite, you know, Magnum PI in your living room. You invite Haggy and Lacey into your living room. You invite, you know, Seinfeld into your living room because they're your friends. You know, that's the difference. That's the dynamic of television versus movies. You know, and we're right in the middle. Right. We're right in the middle. But our show's so good. I've seen our shows on the big screen. And I find many times you watch a TV show on the big screen, you can see so many flaws. It's rarely, it's, it's geared for the small screen. Right. And yet, you can watch, watch Cobra Kai on the big screen, which I have last year. I have a big screen in my house, and, you know, it looks terrific. And it's because of the characters and how the writers have driven these characters home for you to appreciate. Well, let's talk a little bit about that because it does, like you said, the medium does tend to, people feel a stronger connection with folks on television as opposed to in, in movies. You've been especially busy, I know, on the convention scene in the past year. What have you experienced in your interaction with the fans that's been different since Cobra Kai debuted than maybe in years past? Well, you know, I, I really, I mean, I had to lie a lot, and I never liked it. <laughs> I was told to swear, to swear, be, be just sworn to secrecy when I signed on for this deal. And I couldn't, you know, I, I guess it was September all the way through last year till May when the show aired. And uh, I couldn't tell anybody. Every time I would go to a convention or just even go in or, you know, any place in a restaurant where normally you find an autograph, because this show is, you know, lived on for 35 years. We, we just haven't stopped dealing with it, you know, right. in the last two decades. It's always alive in our lives. And, you know, they, you, you have to lie. And you say, we knew, they can't have a series without you. You know, you you got to be in the series. And all the promos are going on in February, March, April. I couldn't say anything. So you start to make up lies like, well, I don't, you know, what happened to Chris was he started working with the KGB. <laughs> I would say he started working with the CIA. He went to prison for 30 years. You know, I would make up all these stories. And the joke of it all was that nobody believed me. Right. Nobody believed the word. And I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't go, I couldn't really go on after that because I knew they didn't believe me. So I, and I couldn't tell them the truth, you know. So, you know, the nine months there was very difficult. And finally, it's easier now. And, uh, you know, the, the, the character is, is, is what he is in the sense of he's highly developable, you know. He's truly got such a strong life and that we all have such a strong life. And the, these stories could go on forever. I mean, they could just go on forever because they're, they're just structured so well with, with characters that have high arcs. The arcs keep climbing. And things almost get resolved, like in Billy's life. Right. And then they don't, you know. And 
because the characters are so identifiable all these years. Kids were either bullied, they had a romance that didn't work, or they, you know, basically were moved around a lot. And that's what they identify with the movies, but what they identify with the series is very typical problems that these three writers are just brilliant at writing what goes on today for kids. Because you got to rem- you have to remember, they wrote Harold and Kumar and Hot Tub Time Machine, right. which is all about the same genre of audience. Right. You know? I kind of, you know, and part of with Cobra Kai is we get, I think there are a couple of lines that allude to the fact that Johnny thinks Kreese is dead. I kind of like your version. I would have liked to have gotten a couple of different characters giving us different versions of the story they heard of what happened to Kreese after the tournament. I would like one person to say, yeah, he joined the CIA or the K, you know, one person to say, oh, he's been in jail for 30 years. That would have been an interesting take on uh, the mythology of the character. Well, when I return in season two, Ralph, <laughs> Ralph has his line to his wife. And he says that, you know, she doesn't really know Queen. She right. just hears stories about him. And he says to her, but can, to Priest is back. I saw him. Priest is back. I saw him. And he fit. <laughs> he says, and Priest, he says, he's, he's such a psychotic. He faked his, he faked his death twice. <laughs> I don't know where that came from, you know? Right. I don't think there's anybody that in all these episodes, said I was dead. But Ralph's got this line to his wife. He said, you know, I'm really in trouble now. He, you know, Priest is back. And, you know, he's a real psychotic. He's a, he faked his death twice. So, I mean, I don't know where that came from in the stories or any of the episodes. Yeah. But somewhere it's crept in there. And... um you know, the, the guy, it, it's just like, you can go on and on and on and write to this guy because I, you know, I, I have my ideas about wanting to be able to explain how I got the name Cobra Kai. I have a great story that I can't really tell you, but a great story of how Cobra Kai, the name came about, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and they have, they already thought about that. I think my idea is probably better than theirs, but <laughs> they already thought about it. Yeah. You know, and, it just and it's pretty good. Their idea is pretty good, you know, But it's really it's fascinating because the greatest thing about acting, I think, is when you portray a character that requires research. I mean, you know, whether it's a police chief or a mercenary or anything like that, and you get to sit and do research about that character. And the real luxury is playing a person who's living. Wow, you can you can find all kinds of stuff from yeah. other people, but. If you find a character that you know you're playing, you know a character that's somewhat fictional, um, it's interesting. But when you're playing a non-fiction character, ooh, you know that's really great. And um, so the event of research and development to me is even more interesting than the event of acting. And to research what John Kreese would have been like and adapt all those elements. Yeah, I'm doing a movie now called the VFW in Dallas shooting with Stephen Lang and David Patrick Kelly and William Sadler and Fred Williamson. It's all, it's like, a, it's like, it's like expendables in a bar. Right. I mean, that's what it is. Characters are all vets and they're all stuck in a bar because they're protecting this one girl and they're deceased. And 
in, in actuality, I, I did a lot of research on, you know, I, I had a lot of stuff going on because John Cleese is a vet. But it's really fascinating, you know, all these years later, just functioning in a bar, and some of the characters are alcoholics, some are not. And um, what we all go through. And to me, the greatest part is, is just sitting down with a vet and talking about what he went through. And a lot of them don't want to say, but right. it works hand in hand with what I do with John Creek. And every time I have something interesting with John Creek, it doesn't come about like Darth Vader, which is the space character, which you know, what kind of research is he going to do? Right. You know? And it comes out of what really happened to him as a human being. So he's not just a badass. He's really a guy that wants everybody to be strong because society is getting weak. He hates the fact that kids get trophies for participating, you know? Yeah. Well, I could, I mean, I know your time is important and I want you to be able to relax this weekend because I know you've got a busy shooting schedule, but I could talk to you for hours about the way cinema has moved and for lack of a better word, the wussification of action heroes and all that, because I know you've got a different perspective than I, because you've lived in the era of making those films and you've kind of seen what the medium has become now. But I do want to respect your time because again, I know you are busy. Uh, I appreciate again, you making the time to talk to me this weekend. The 35th anniversary of the release of the karate kid is available in 4k ultra HD this Tuesday, April the 16th. Cobra Kai Season 2 premieres on YouTube on Wednesday, April the 24th. Again, Martin, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, you're welcome. And uh, just pray for the rejuvenation of the Western. If that was the, I would say, the, the source of the American heritage of cinema. And I think that's what's got to come back and somewhat replace Marvel comic books. You know, we just the wonderful Westerns that kids aren't exposed to as we were. And, you know, they just need to return. And hopefully, uh, after the success of this, we'll go make a Western that'll be equally as potent to the American public on the TV screen. Well, when you do, I would love to talk to you about that. Because, like I said, I'd, I would love to sit and just listen and pick your brain for hours. But I do, like I said, want to respect your time. So I thank you again today for, uh, for joining us, Martin. Thank you very much. Good talking to you. Bye-bye. I want to thank Mr. Martin Cove once again. Guys, if you don't know, scheduling this interview, he's shooting 12-hour days, Monday through Friday, on his film VFW. He took the time to talk to us this weekend about The Karate Kid, about Cobra Kai. I can't thank him enough. Again, it shows how passionate he is, living in the skin of these characters for 35-plus years, all of the actors that we've spoken with and will continue to speak with uh, are very passionate about these, and they would not be doing what they're doing without the writing and the treatment that, that Cobra Kai is giving these characters. You've heard it if you've listened to our uh, interview with Ralph Macchio as well. These guys live these characters. They're very defensive of them. They're very proud of them, as they should be. And so for him to take the time to talk to us, it, it means the world to us. And I could sit and listen and talk to him for hours about all kinds of things, Hollywood and cinema and television. But, again, got to appreciate his time. Don't forget, if you haven't already, pick up your copy of The Karate Kid, the 35th anniversary release of The Karate Kid in 4K Ultra HD. This is the best, the highest resolution, the best quality. This is the best version of this film that you're going to get. Make sure you pick one up and check out Cobra Kai Season 2 when it premieres on YouTube on Wednesday, April the 24th. I've been Joey Mills. Thank you so much. We'll catch you all later.
This show has been brought to you by the Pop Goes the Culture Podcast Network. Find links to all of our podcasts and more at popgoestheculture.com.